are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Lamentations chapter 3. Look with me. We're going to begin reading in verse number 37. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 37. Give you a moment to find your place and turn there. Appreciate the special uh, that was sung. It really goes a lot along with the message tonight as you think about it and as the Lord speaks to our heart, we'll pray that he does so. Verse 37 of Lamentations chapter 3, the Bible says, Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto the God in the heavens. We have transgressed and we have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. Let's bow forward a prayer this evening as we ask the Lord's blessings over the service. Father, we, we do come before you and we thank you for an opportunity to preach tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would use this message in our lives in a great way. Lord, as we come together and as we open the word of God, I pray that we might give attention to the Holy Spirit tonight. and We might give attention to the Holy uh, Scriptures, Lord, as they're preached. And Lord, you might fill me with your power tonight. And Lord, I pray that you bless the hearer that we would understand the message and you would use this in our life to help us to draw closer to you. Pray that you bless the Patch the Pirate Clubs and Nurseries, Lord, as they're out. Watch over, protect them, bless the workers, and to give us a good night and around your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah begins chapter number three here of Lamentations with a, a third now poem, or what we would say a lamentation. Uh, each one of the five chapters of the book of Lamentations is a separate poem or a separate song of, of lamentation, of, of remorse. That's an R word, but it's not the R word. Uh, with the exception of chapter 3, chapters 1, 2, 4, and 5, they all have 22 verses. Uh, each one of them begin uh, with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, chapter number 3 has 66 verses, so it's, it's three times as long. And chapter number 3, obviously, is the climax of all five chapters together. The whole book of Lamentations is the account of the after effects of the fall of Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Judah when Nebuchadnezzar marches upon it for the third and, and final time. And as we think about it, and if you've read Lamentations since last week, when you look at it, really the book is not unlike a funeral dirge that we would be familiar with today. But praise God as you read through it and as we come to our text tonight, Jeremiah, knowing the way, the truth, and the life, he doesn't stay that long forever. He doesn't stay in that tone of a funeral. He doesn't stay in that tone of lamentation. And we understand and we realize we'll read the scriptures that nothing ever, ever died, stayed dead when Jesus Christ showed up. What God has been warning of for years, though, has finally come to pass. And Jeremiah witnessed it. And he is witnessing what is left of Jerusalem since he was left behind with them. The book of Jeremiah records 52 chapters of Jeremiah in the office of a prophet. Pastor Cooper looked at that last week. He was constantly and continually a prophecy and woes from God to the nation of Israel in Judah there, the southern kingdom, for telling what was going to come to pass. 
And so in prophesying destruction, Jeremiah wasn't praised. Jeremiah was never appreciated for his ministry of prophesying destruction. Imagine that. In fact, Jeremiah was locked in prison. Jeremiah was, was thrown in the dungeon of muck and mire. Jeremiah was lied about. Jeremiah was called a traitor, and he was accused of being unpatriotic. And still, it doesn't go over well when you preach that God will bring judgment upon your country for your, its sin. But now in Lamentations, Jeremiah is no longer writing from the perspective of a prophet foretelling something that God is going to do. He is now writing from the position of an observer that his prophecies did come true. Everything that God gave him, all the words that he said that he gave him, they were of God, they really did come to pass. He was verified as a true prophet. And Jeremiah tonight, as we look at the book of Lamentations, he is very much a part of the suffering. And when you think about that and you think about all that he's preached and all that he has, he has poured out his heart for the people of God and trying to get them to turn back to God, you would think this would be a time in Jeremiah's life for him to say, see, I told you so. Look at what God did. God did exactly what I said that he would do. You should have listened to me. But that's not Jeremiah's attitude at all. In fact, in chapter number one, verse number 12, we see he says, is it nothing to you? All ye who pass by, behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet, and Jeremiah was broken not only now over just the sins of God's people, but now he was also broken over the judgment that has come upon God's people. He's saying, doesn't this affect you like it's affected me? Doesn't our, our condition of sin and rebellion and doesn't our condition of, of waywardness against God and transgressing against God and the fact that God has judged us does not affect you like it has affected me. He says uh, another familiar verse in chapter 3, verse 51, mine eye affecteth my heart. Well, Jeremiah, he's not rejoicing in their sorrow, but he's lamenting. He is broken over what they have become. Jeremiah is a preacher who took no joy and pleasure in being right. College students take no joy and no pleasure when you preach against sin and you preach against wandering away from God and you preach against straying away from God and you find that people do exactly what you preach against. Take no joy when the things that you've preached come to pass in people's lives. But we find two words of Jeremiah that have, I believe, been the emphasis of this month that God has laid upon the heart of our pastor we find the two words in verse number 40. The Bible says, let us search and try our ways. And would you say those next two words with me again? And what's the next two? Amen. Turn again to the Lord. That's our R word tonight. Jeremiah says, turn again. That's revival. Amen. That's going back to the way that God intended things to be. Amen. We've been in Acts on Sunday morning and God has given our pastor messages concerning the conviction of sin and the conversion that comes along with it, and then the community that comes along after that. And those first century Christians, they saw revival like this world has never seen. God was doing works in their heart, and daily there was added to the church such as should be saved, and they were baptized, they were in one accord, and the gospel was going forth to the regions beyond because of the revival that they were seeing in their life. Someone has once said, revival is a return to normal Christianity. Amen. Amen. Now, not our normal. There's a new normal today. 
But revival is a return to normal biblical Christianity. The way that we find it in the book of Acts, the way that we find the saints of old practicing, following God, someone has said revival is a return to normal Christianity the way that God intended it. it can I say this and maybe even summarize it and, and boil it down more tonight? Revival is Jesus again. As Jeremiah prophesies and Jeremiah comes to the middle of chapter number three here in all of this funeral, I believe Jeremiah is coming and Jeremiah is pausing the funeral midway and he's saying, stop, let's take a break, let's hold on, hold on, there's hope. He said, let's turn again. Let's turn again, let's turn back to the Lord. And this is what he's been trying to get them to do the entire time. But finally now, maybe God has them in a place where they will turn again. Jeremiah is saying it's, it's not all lost. I know it's bad. I know we've been defeated. I know we've been discouraged. I know the, the hand of the judgment of God is upon our life. But if we turn again, we can see revival in this nation once again. So after all that's happened to the city and to the nation, Jeremiah, he's still, as he was in the 52 chapters of Jeremiah, he's still, he hasn't given up. He is still preaching the same thing over and over, trying to still get the people to realize that the Lord is the answer just like he has always been and he always will be. Sadly, tonight, if need be, I believe it could take the same things happening in our own personal life that happened in Jerusalem for us to come to a point in place in a very real way where we, where we turn again and we see revival. Like that song that was sung says, whatever it takes for my will to break. I wonder tonight if you would be willing to pray that in a, in a sincere, in a real way. And it's nothing that you can do just because I suggested it. There's got to be something, the Holy Spirit working in your heart tonight to say, God, I, I, I want revival. God, I'm, I'm willing to turn again to you. God, I, I desire a greater, a closer walk to you. I, I desire Jesus again in my life. And then from that, it's a, it's a burden that pours out of, of singing that song within the, the deep recesses of your heart, whatever it takes. Take the dearest, take the dearest thing from me, whatever it takes for my will to break. Look with me in chapter number three. I want you to see, first of all, the condition. Jeremiah gives the condition. He says in verse number one, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me about with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Look in verse number nine. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. He had turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He had made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. Jeremiah is very personal in the descriptions of, of the condition of God's people. Because remember tonight, this is not, from Jeremiah's perspective, this is not just, just Jerusalem. This is not just the people of Judah. Jeremiah is identifying with them. This is not they and them. To Jeremiah, this is I and we. Yeah, amen. 
Jeremiah is just not some casual observer, observer that has come up on a battlefield and coldly speculating what has happened after the war and after God's judgment upon their lives. God has not kept Jeremiah from all of the punishment, and God has not kept Jeremiah from all of the judgment with his people. This has happened to Jeremiah. This, Jeremiah has been a part of this. Jeremiah is a representative of the people in Jerusalem, the godly people, yet those that are still suffering. God has used a pagan nation and a pagan king to bring his people to their knees, and, and Jeremiah is right in the middle of it. And it doesn't get any worse than this. As you read those verses there, Jeremiah is very descriptive in his language. He says, my health is lost. My city, my country, my family has been torn apart. At this point, if you read further on in chapter number 5, if people aren't dead, they are missing or emaciated. Lamentations chapter 5, verse number 10, talks about the blackness of their skin because of the fever of famine. Look at verse number 7. He says, he hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. Jeremiah describes that God had them in a place where they could not get out. They were hedged in. Many times as God's people, we talk about the hedge of protection that God places around his people that are in the will of God and nothing can, nothing can break through that. Nothing can get to his people and harm them and put them in danger without, without God's will and without uh, God, God permitting that to take place. And we would say, we've got a hedge of protection about us. But Jeremiah said here, we were, we were hedged in that they could not get out. If you read the book of Hosea, Hosea, by the instruction of God, married an adulterous woman named Gomer. She was adulterous, and she would go out and play the harlot as a picture of what Israel had done to the relationship with God. And the Bible talks about with Gomer that God hedged her way in with a hedge of thorns. God closed her in. God, God directed her path so that she, she could not get out. Every time she went here, it was, it was painful. And every time she was over here, it was, it was painful. And that's what Jeremiah is saying that God has done to them. He realized tonight it would be good for us to be reminded that God allows sometimes very unpleasant and very difficult things in our life sometimes to get us to wake up. I believe it's very dangerous for us to simply dismiss everything that comes into our lives as just a trial, a test, or the devil. Before you know it, we're finding a devil under every rock. Everywhere we turn, well, that's the devil's fault, and well, this happened, and it's a trial. This is, this is a difficulty in my life because I'm just a, a good Christian. It could be tonight. As with Jeremiah, where God finally brought judgment upon Israel, where God is putting us to the place and in the place where we only look up. Well, that's the only place we can look up. We see their condition. Look with me, verse number eight. We see their calamity. He says, Also, when I cry and shout, look at what God does. He shutteth out my prayer. Look at verse 14. I was a derision to all my people. And their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul afar, far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. Verse 18, he said, And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Their condition was poor, but notice their calamity. The condition is the the external situations that come in our life. 
The condition is the, is the circumstances that, that befall us as we go along life's way and we say, well, I don't, I don't like that, that and that, that's uncomfortable, and that makes me think about maybe what I'm doing, and, and maybe this maybe, maybe makes me reconsider the decision I made. Oh, but calamity is something different. Calamity is what brings distress upon the soul. And nothing brings distress upon the soul like verse number 8, where Jeremiah says, I was praying, and we were praying, but we weren't getting our prayers answered. He said God had shut out our prayers. They were like the people in Haggai's day where they gathered themselves money and their wages and they put it in a bag with holes in it. God told the people there it wasn't just an accident that happened. God said, I put the holes in your bag. God said, I'm, I'm the one to do that. So God says, I, I, I shut out your prayers. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I cannot have answer to my prayer. You cannot have answer to your prayer. In fact, the Bible says, God won't even hear our prayer if I've got known sin in my life that I've not dealt with. But tonight, God does not look as lightly upon our sin as we do. Sometimes we think it's just a simple thing, and we think with time, because time goes by and we haven't seen the judgment of God, we think God must have forgotten about it. We think maybe sometimes God thinks as lightly about my sin as I think about my sin, because time is goes, goes by. Oh, tonight God does not look as lightly upon our sin as we do, and do not ever mistake the, don't ever mistake the long-suffering of God for unconcern regarding our sin. God is very concerned. God pays very close attention. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, beholding the good and the evil. Notice in verse number 14, Jeremiah, he himself says he was in derision to his people all the day long. Jeremiah was a laughing stock to all of Israel. But when you try to live for God, whether it's a nation or whether it's a people, people are going to find it amusing. Even backslidden Christians will find it amusing when God's people are trying to live for God and be sold out for God. Don't think it's strange tonight when you live for God at school and you live for God at work and you live for God even in a Bible college and you live for God even in a Christian school. And those that aren't living for God laugh at you. But again, now that Jeremiah was on the other side of it, now that Jeremiah had been proven right by all that he prophesied against God's judgment, Jeremiah is not coming to the other side of it and saying, see, I told you so. Jeremiah is not, is not laughing at them and laughing at God's judgment. Jeremiah now is doubly hurt. Not only because he had been laughed at in the first place to scorn for his stand for God, he's now hurt more so because the judgment of God has come upon him. Verse number 16 is a reference to punishment that nations would use in Bible times. He says, he hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. Bible times, in ancient times, they would have prisoners and they would nearly starve them to death and they would finally, when they would give them a small morsel of food, they would fill it with gravel and fill it with rocks. So in their hunger, they would, they would tear into that food and their teeth would break. Jeremiah says, my, my teeth were broken. It finally gets to the place in verse number 18 where Jeremiah says, hope is perished. Hope is gone. Tonight, in order for you and I to see revival that lasts beyond a few days, for you and I to see the revival that lasts beyond a month or a year, I believe that we've got to get to the place where Jeremiah was, sick of the way things are, tired and, and brokenhearted over sin and its effects. But mostly tonight, listen, 
to the place with no hope in anything that you have anything to do with. That's where we've got to get in order to see revival. Because we have a, we have a spirit about us, and it's called the flesh. We're, we're, we always think that, that there's some chance, that there's some way, that there's some possibility we can affect revival, we can affect some working of God in our lives by ourselves. Jeremiah finally got to the place where he said, all hope was perished. There was nothing, nothing left. When is the last time you sat in church or maybe you sat in front of your Bible and you just said things have to change in, in my life? And not in this church, not with my pastor, not with my teachers, not with my employer, but things have to change with me. When is the last time you said that? When is the last time you said, how, can, how long can I go on living like this without a real walk with God? You see, but an immature Christian, they look and they see the things of God. They're convicted by the Word of God. They hear the preaching of the Word of God. And they're like the man in the book of James that sees his face in a mirror and beholds what man he is. And he goes away as if he never saw what God showed him. Tonight, it's easy to forget our condition. It's easy to forget our need of revival. It's easy to forget our, before the need of revival, our sinfulness. And all the, 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 the pressure is on when we're in church, the, the, the thought of it, and many times the emotion is there when we're in church, but many times when we walk out these doors, the burden is gone. The emotion is gone. And we're like that man in James that sees his face in a glass. God says, there you are. What do you think about it? There you are. What are you going to do with it? And we say, that's true. That's right. And we walk out and we never do anything seriously about what God revealed to us. We're like a train traveling down a track at full speed with no brakes. We, think, we know something bad is going to happen when we have to stop. But we haven't had to stop yet, so we're not going to worry about it. We're like the guy that drives with his check engine light on, and instead of seeing his check engine light, he just puts a black piece of tape over it. Because I'd, I'd just rather not, rather not see it right now. It's easy to know the calamity and the emptiness of our soul, yet feed it with the junk from the world expecting that to sustain us. Tonight, we've got to get to verse number 20. We've got to get to verse number 20. Look at it. He said, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. When our condition, what is our condition again? The circumstances that are not favorable to us anymore. When our condition and when our calamity, what is the calamity? The distress of our soul. When that gets very real to us, and then because of all those things, we finally become humbled in ourself. Notice now, number three, we see the contemplation. What does Jeremiah say? Because of all this and because of his humility, verse number 20, my soul hath been still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence, because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be there may, may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth. Yet he's filled with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude 
of his mercies. Jeremiah comes to the point where he realizes, hey, that continuing to dwell upon our condition as a nation, as an individual, continuing to dwell upon our calamity as a nation, as an individual, is going, only going to discourage me more. So he brings his thoughts. He turns around in chapter number three here. He turns around his thoughts to a truth, and hope is restored when the Bible says he considers the mercy of God. Verse number 21. This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. Oh, tonight when I think of God's mercies in my life, I can't think, help but think how good he is. And I can't help but think how undeserving I am. I don't even begin to understand tonight the mercy of God and the, the, the depths of the mercy of God to save a wretch such as I. When I begin to think about the mercies of God, I realize and I remember how his grace has worked in my life. When I think of his mercies, I begin to think Jesus again. Let us turn again. Revival. And because of his mercies are new every morning. And he's faithful. I can see revival in my life. You can see revival in your life. He doesn't cast us off forever. He doesn't consume us in his wrath. Oh, when we consider our condition and our calamity and our need for revival, we ought to throw ourselves upon the mercies of God. Why? Because that is our only hope. When we pray for revival, we ought to be saying, God, have mercy upon us and grant us, grant us that turning in our heart. Grant us that desire to say, whatever it takes, Lord, my will to break. Amen. There will be times when we read our Bible or messages being preached that we fall under arrest of the Holy Spirit. And we raise the white flag of surrender. There ought to be times in our life when the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to us where we lay down our weapons. By the way, that's what a rebel does when they surrender. They lay down their weapons. There ought to be times in our life when we raise up the white flag and we, we throw down our weapons and say, I surrender. I agree with what the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to my heart about. And because of that, I'm turning again. That's revival tonight. That's Jesus again. Oh, but when we sit through messages month after month after month and never get to that place, it's not the preacher's fault. It's certainly not because of the lack of the power of the Word of God. It's because we've forgotten our condition and we haven't taken the time to contemplate the mercy of God. So because Jeremiah does that, what do we find? His conviction in verse number 39. Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Oh, do you see? This is what happens when we allow the reality of the mercy of God to sink in our soul. As long as I have life, Jeremiah is saying, I've got nothing to complain about. He was convicted of that. When I consider my calamity, when I consider my condition, what am I, I going to complain about? That I've been punished for my sin? That our nation has been punished for her sin? I haven't been punished for a fraction of what I deserve, and neither have you. When you think about all that Jerusalem and her people had been through, even they had not received all that they had deserved, and they wouldn't receive it because God was faithful to his word. Great is thy faithfulness. 
But tonight it would be easy for us to look around at the world, our nation, our problems, the situation, the society that tries to get us to conform in this dark world to what it tries to, to, to push in our, our agenda and push in our homes and push in our churches. And we begin to get to the place where we think, man, I have so much to complain about. And there will be people that take you up on it and they will complain to you. But the convicting thing that comes to my heart and ought to come to your heart tonight in verse number 39 is that I'm alive. I'm saved. And I will never experience the punishment of my sins in eternity in hell. And that what I need in my life is not a better situation. What you need in your life is not a better situation. What do we need? We need a revival of the realization of the mercies of God. We have no right to complain, but rather our condition and our calamity ought to cause us to search and to try our way. Say, God, why is, why is this taking place? Why is this going on? Why is there a distress of my soul? Why are my prayers getting answered? And then lastly, quickly, look with me in verse number 40. We see the conversion, the conversion. He says, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. So because of the conviction that I haven't gotten what I deserve, there's a conversion. Not a salvation, but a turning. A turning back to the Lord. Now Israel was not, Judah was not experiencing this. But Jeremiah was telling them this is what we could have. Tonight is not this what we desire. You say as a church and as a nation, we aren't, we aren't seeing revival and we want revival. We're praying for God to send revival. We're, we're desiring revival. We're wanting God to do something. We're trying to remove things from our life. And we are, in many cases, in the same way where Judah is, maybe not seeing it yet, but Jeremiah is saying, but you can see it. There, there can be a, a turning. There can be that conversion, a turning back to the Lord, a turning again to the Lord, Jesus again. That phrase, turning again, means that you once had revival. It means you once had a walk with God. It means you once had a sensitivity towards sin. It means you once had a conscious about the things where God and the Holy Spirit pricks your heart and He says, don't do that, don't go there, don't wear that, don't say that, do this, do that, and go there. And you did it. But turning again means that we go back to that. We go back to that newness of normal Christianity. Verse number 40 is revival. It's realizing where you are in your life, in your spiritual life tonight, is not God's fault. It's realizing that the prayer that you don't get answered is not because God misunderstood you. In fact, the Bible is clear that there's unconfessed sin in your heart. God's ears are shut to you and me. Revival is losing all hope in the prospects of things changing on their own. It's remembering the mercy of God. It's turning back to the Lord. As we close tonight, I can just imagine Jeremiah getting a hold of this truth and taking it to everyone he could find in this war-torn city of Jerusalem. I think in the middle of all the funerals, he was probably, he was probably interrupting all of it. He was going to the hungry child. He was going to the, to the beggar. He was going to the, to the crippled, wounded warrior. He was going to the widow. He was going to everybody he could find and saying, hey, guess what? Let us turn again. Let us turn again. He's still our only hope. And as we turn back to the Lord, we're, what does he say in verse number 41? 
we're to lift up our heart with our hands unto God. It's significant that it mentions heart and hands because revival isn't just a change in what you do. It's a change also of the heart along with it. Don't just start doing right tonight. Don't just start doing right this fall or this week or this campaign with the wrong heart without getting right. Because sacrifice doesn't make dirty hands clean. Dirty hands make the sacrifice unacceptable. Don't start doing right without getting right. Jeremiah told God's people, let us search our ways. Let us try our ways. Let us lift up our heart with our hands under the God of heaven. Jeremiah was getting the people to understand that since nothing can happen without God's knowledge, nothing can happen without God's, God's purpose in it, we have no right to complain for the punishment of our sins. Instead, we should try and search our ways which would result in us turning back to God. Tonight, maybe you're here and you've seen your condition before God. Maybe not just tonight, but maybe you know being here what your condition is. The Holy Spirit has the ability to do that. And you know your spiritual life isn't what it should be. Maybe God has been speaking to your heart about a specific area. But if you're honest tonight, you would have to admit that things really haven't changed. Because you haven't raised the right white flag. You haven't laid down the weapons. You, you mean to. You're going to. But you just haven't yet. I believe many times that's the case. We go through church service after church service stirred but unchanged because of what we looked at tonight. We know our condition. We're, we're well aware of it. We, we, we live in it every day. We, 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 we see this face and face, face what it is every day in the mirror. We know the condition. But we don't get to the point where Jeremiah was of seeing no hope for things to change in ourselves. And we never fall back upon the mercy of God and turn back to him. We get, we get really, really close. We get close to seeing revival. But we never fully get tired of the way that we're living enough. We never really get fully tired enough for God to, to work in our heart so that we, we turn again and we lift up our heart with our hands. We behold ourselves in the, in the glass of God's word, but we go our way and forget what manner of man we are. Tonight, revival is personal. I think many times we're waiting for the tidal wave of revival to come. We're waiting, we say, well, I, I think I hear it. I, I heard the, the routes are growing. I heard souls are being saved. I, I heard this was taking place, and I heard the membership was growing, and I heard uh, churches were having camp meetings. I heard, I heard a wonderful special. I, 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 I hear the, the tidal wave of revival going, I'm going I'm to jump on, and I'm going to catch it and ride it with everybody else. No, tonight, listen, revival is personal. Many times all of those things that we call revival, that is emotion that can follow a revival. But revival is you and me. You and you and you and me. Turning again personally to the Lord. God brought Jerusalem and, and, and Jeremiah as a representative along with it down a devastating path. But it wasn't for the purpose of destruction. It was to get them to turn again. May the Holy Spirit of God speak to us tonight and make it clear the need to, to search and to, to try our ways. And then don't stop there. Turn again to the Lord. 
Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.